0: And welcome to Abnormal Mapping, episode 74. I am your regular host, M, and with me is not Jackson, because Jackson is busy with school. Instead, we have a special guest co-host, Six. Say hello, Six. Hello! Nice to nice to be on the show. Why don't you tell people who you are and why I chose you for this? I feel like you could answer that without me telling you
1: why. <laughs> okay, uh, so first of all, I'm free. That's important. <laughs> well, I, I guess that's true. <laughs> Um. So I am a uh, I am another uh, Abnormal Mapping co-host. I'm a co-host on uh, Novel Not New, which is our our visual novel podcast here on the network. Um, and also I do a bunch of other podcasts, so I have some podcasting experience. And also I'm a big Fire Emblem fan, and we're talking about Fire Emblem Awakening this week. So month month this month month even. month. Excuse me. This is a monthly podcast. Of course, I knew that. It's
0: just I. Force oh no, habit, I know. You know uh so why don't you tell what are your what is your podcast network tell people plug you get free plugs at the beginning Mm. of the show
1: okay okay so where i'm uh i am one of two people on uh on scanline media uh it's it's we have a bunch of different crap and i don't really know how we got here right um we have a podcast that's about dota 2 which is a uh moba and uh if you don't like dota don't listen to that podcast because it will be gibberish and nonsense uh but if you do it it's a good show we have fun on there uh we have uh oops all anime which is our uh patron only podcast which is we try out anime uh we watch the first couple of episodes and then talk about them and then switch up shows constantly and have guests on and it's really fun and a lot of the times the show we watch are terrible and that's that's exciting
0: uh as someone with an anime
1: podcast i can
0: tell you anime is often very bad and you only like gundam's usually pretty good compared to yes but to the, i also make attempts to watch other anime uh around gundam because we always open with did you watch anime this week and i'm going to make an effort for that
1: answer to always be yes going forward that's that's you know going above and beyond i really respect that well i uh... <laughs> I get to watch a bunch of stuff that uh, that uh, the other co-host of the show, Jen, uh, doesn't know about because I'm sort of in charge of research for the show. And so I end up watching the shows and being like, oh, this seems cool. Oh, there's the incest. Okay. So that's- fun. Oh, great. Good, good, good. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Other podcasts. I'm on a fighting game podcast called Neutral Game. That one's monthly- um and then we got a few other things that are in the works i might be starting a a podcast about the korean game show the genius which is really fantastic Um, these are these are the most boutique of podcasts now you are in the podcast weeds i am i am indeed um and then speaking more generally about me i'm just i'm just you know non-binary sometimes writer person who hangs out and has bad opinions that's basically what i do oh right at home on the abnormal mapping network (laughs) here
0: we go it's good to be it's good to be here good to be at home so what have you been playing that isn't fire emblem in the
1: last say month two months two months that is not for novel not new also um my goodness i've been playing a a lot of stuff i got back to uh, heat signature actually after uh, very recently after last year they've been making a bunch of changes to that game and it's really interesting to see some of the really interesting game design calls in that game could you briefly describe what that is Certainly. So Heat Signature is a game by uh, Tom Francis. He's a former uh, writer, games writer for PC Gamer. Um, and basically it's a game about uh, boarding and doing like Hotline Miami style like stealth on spaceships. You sort of you fly up to them in a little pod and attach and just sort of blitz through the ship. Um, and it's got a cool tactical layer. But the main thing is... A lot of the, like, the gear and the way you do things is way more interesting than your average, like, action game, right? Like, there's a gun that shoots guns. It will teleport every gun on the ground in the area into the barrel of your gun and then fire them. There's a gun that shoots money that is acid. There is a teleporter that will only teleport you to a place for, like, I think three seconds and then teleports you back to where you came from. Everything is a little weird. And so it sets up these really interesting situations where you have tools that aren't just straightforward get the job done. They always have some strange quirks and you end up pulling off these bizarre maneuvers to get the job done. Okay. So. So what have they changed recently? Um, so they added, uh, like, the game has kind of a difficulty problem where there's just sort of a, um, you either have the gear to do a job or you don't, right? It's like, You don't have enemies that are like, oh, this is going to be hard, but I can grind away at them. You either have a tool to instantly murder them, or you have no way to hurt them at all. Um, And there's kind of nothing you can do about that. If they have a shield and you don't have a thing that breaks shields, you cannot hurt them. Um, And that's kind of a, a problem. It kind of leads to situations where you get into a job and you're like, well, shit, I'm out of my shield breaker. I guess I just have to walk away now. Um, and they added some things to, uh, some more ways to try and get around that, some more tools that, like, subvert shields without actually killing the enemy. But the more interesting thing is they added a thing to some missions, because it's procedurally generated missions, called a glitchback guarantee, which is really an interesting approach for roguelikes, where it says, when you take a mission, it says, hey, this mission has a glitchback guarantee. If you do this mission that is... Like, probably, it's usually assigned to missions that are too hard for your current level. And it's like, if you fuck up this mission, we're just gonna teleport you back to base. You won't be hurt. There'll be no consequences. Just give it a shot. That's a guarantee. Awesome. That, yeah, it's, it's really cool. It's just this guarantee that, like, try out this thing. Normally you would shy away because it's too hard, but there's no consequence, so just try. hmm. Um, and it's just a lot of stuff like that, a lot of, like, rethinking some, some basics. The game, like, if you get, um, killed in this game, it's because you, like, you fucked up twice. You never just fuck up once and die. If you get shot in this game, you get shot, you fall down, an enemy picks you up and throws you out the airlock, and you can just re- remote control your ship and pick yourself back up and try again. And eventually, if you do that enough times, you'll bleed out, but, like, there's always, like, a second layer, sort of like a cushion for failure, so that it's not this 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 brutally unforgiving thing.
0: Okay. So. That sounds pretty good. Uh I know Jackson kind of bounced off that game and I have a bit of roguelike fatigue, but these mm-hmm. additions sound like uh it like refocuses on the like challenge of just doing a hard thing for fun instead of trying to like make progress and that might be worth looking into.
1: Yeah, it's it's one of those situations where the game is at its best when you're over your head and mm-hmm. so they're trying to encourage you to get in over your head. Okay. So. Uh, I have been playing uh, Bayonetta 2, which just came
0: out for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, if you don't know, Bayonetta was a uh, Bayonetta was a character action game that came out on 360 and PS3 in 2012. Is that right? Do you know off the I top of your head? Th- think. I think that's right. That that can't be right. I think it's actually. 20 2009 2009, 2009 wow. sorry right, right um and bay uh and bayonetta 2 was a uh wii u exclusive that came out in 2014 uh because nintendo paid to, them to make it basically because the wii u had no games and both those have been re-released on the switch uh bayonetta 2 is probably my favorite character action game um I think it's incredible. Bayonetta 1 is right behind it as my second favorite. Uh, and w- playing it on the Switch is great. It runs at a much more stable frame rate. It still doesn't look in th- that great because, one, it seems like that m- game was probably made with very little money. And also it runs at, it, it's at 720 because they're like, we want to hit 60 in handheld. So it's just going to run at 720 all the time, uh, which is fine by me because I don't actually care about that, that much. But uh, playing that game, just having it run really well now is great. Uh, that game is nice and short. Uh, Bayonetta 1, it's weird because they're selling like both digitally and Bayonetta 2 is like $50 and Bayonetta 1 is like, I think, 20 And if you buy one, you get the other one and it all equals out to be 60 There's like a discount or whatever. Bayonetta 2 being way more expensive is hilarious to me because it's about half as long as Bayonetta 1 is. Uh, I, Like age is the determination here. Also, the exclusivity of Bayonetta 2 because you can buy Bayonetta on Steam or on PSN or, you know, you can get it all over the place. Um. So it is interesting to me only in that Bayonetta 2 is like such a smaller game. Uh, These are both great. If you've never played Bayonetta, uh, it has some of the most accessible difficulty modes that this genre has ever seen, um, which is going to be a theme going forward when we talk about our game club today, I think. Uh, So even if you're like, I'm not good at character action games, Devil May Cry is way too hard for me. I can barely handle God of War. Bayonetta 2's got your back. It literally has like a one button, like use the stick, any single button and combos will happen control option. Uh, mm-hmm. it's very good about that sort of thing also the story is delightful and ridiculous but if you've been listening to us for a long time you know that bayonetta is my favorite thing
1: i i absolutely adore uh bayonetta and bayonetta 2 i i ground through bayonetta 1 on the playstation 3 with the with those original like launch loading times which was like time you tried to use an item it was like 30 seconds yeah i played that on uh 360 uh oh there you go that's the version but... yeah but i'm excited to just have it
0: on my switch all the time and play through those games and 100 because like uh, on bayonetta i like went through and played hard mode and unlocked almost all the things but bayonetta 2 i did like a let's play a long time ago and then i didn't really go back to it because uh the wii u is not a console i like to spend a lot of time with yeah. um but now that I just have that all the time, I, I'm, I intend to do such a thing. Also, the Amiibo support, if you just want to shortcut your way into getting all the, the uh, all of the like techniques immediately, uh, you can just go and scan Amiibo and get enough Halos to buy all the techniques from the first chapter. It makes oh, wow. that game really
1: ridiculously easy. <laughs> I am. So what is the best weapon in Bayonetta 2 and why is it the ice skates?
0: Uh, it is not. The ice skates skates are a Bayonetta 1 thing, aren't they? Are they? Am I misremembering? Yes. Oh. So Bayonetta 2 has two weapons that are the perfect weapons for the top. For the arms, you want the scythe with the three blades. And for the feet, you want the two giant chainsaws that work as rollerblades. And it's amazing. They're the best.
1: Man, I could have I sworn I remembered because I, I loved the movement options the ice skates gave you so much that I thought I remembered. But no, nope, looked it up. Nope. You're totally yeah. right. Yeah, those are a of one weapons. The Functionally, the,
0: uh, the rollerblade chainsaws work very similar to the skates. Um, they don't do ice damage. They do like chip damage. So your kicks become like your combo extender
1: chip damage while you want like a heavy weapon up top if you do go that way. And that's how I like to play. I'm starting to suspect, now that I look at this more, that I didn't spend actually that much time with Bandit 2, and I think it's time for me to correct that. Yeah, no, if you have a Switch, uh, it's it's great. It's great. I I bought it and then I yesterday and then I spent all day editing podcasts and uh, yeah, I understand games. how that goes. Uh so. yeah, I'm looking forward to Yeah, I sat
0: down I was like I was playing that game like, "Oh, right, this game is really short." Bayonetta 1 spends a lot of time like setting up the world where you wander around a city for like three chapters mm-hmm. at the beginning. By the third chapter of Bayonetta, you have like flown twice, you've been in a mech suit, you've fought like four bosses.
1: Uh Bayonetta yeah. 2 never gets off its bullshit from the jump yeah that game that game really uh really gets the point pretty fast with
0: all of our normal uh house clearing to do done we are going to get into our game club after musical break that will be fire emblem awakening so please enjoy some fire emblem music and we'll be back after the jump game club this month is fire emblem awakening this was developed by intelligent systems and nintendo spd it is for the nintendo 3ds it came out in america in february 4th 2013 it came out in japan uh 2012 this is the 11th entry in the fire emblem series and the first one to be on the 3ds it also was potentially the last fire emblem game we will talk about that uh if you don't know fire emblem is a uh turn-based strategy game in which uh you have a bunch of units that are on a grid uh you take turns moving all your units then the enemy goes you fight their stats there is a weapon triangle where some weapons are stronger than others like a rock paper scissors uh thing and you clear like a map and that's a chapter and you get story and you move on uh there's an emphasis on characters standing next to each other in battle so you get support conversations um and infamously, this game is famous for permadeath, where you, you can acquire, like, dozens and dozens of soldiers they are all unique characters with stories and personalities. But if they die in battle, uh, they are basically deleted outside of maybe a character is important for the story. So they stick around, but you can't use them anymore. Um, this game allows that to be optional, and we'll talk about that. Six, why don't you tell the
1: people what this game, plot-wise, is about? Okay. So our player character, uh, Robin, uh, has a vision of the future in which she kills a man named Crom, uh, who she seems to be quite close with. He-, he or she, excuse me, it's it's you can choose gender, but come she. on, do she, do she, <laughs> um, and then wakes up in a field with amnesia, uh, con- uh, with Crom and a few uh, friends standing over her. Uh, Amnesia doesn't remember what's going on, but basically signs up with Krom and starts, uh, joins their group called the Shepherds, which protects the com- the kingdom of Ulysses. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ulysses is plagued by, uh, bandit attacks from a, uh, bordering country called, uh, Plegia, which appears to be hostile and kind of looking for an excuse to go to war. And then is also assaulted by a, uh, portal that opens up and starts releasing, releasing monsters into the world. Um, it is at that time that they are, they also meet, uh, a masked warrior who jumps through the, that same portal, uh, ca- who calls themselves Marth. Uh, Marth, uh, helps at various points, but also seems to have very mysterious, uh, motivations. And, uh, they move forward. Marth keeps assisting them at various moments, but also never really wanting to fully cooperate with them. And it's very strange. Uh, eventually, uh, things with, uh, between Ulysses and Pledgia come to a point where, uh, they are, uh, the leader of Pledgia is demanding war. And, uh, the leader of Ulysses, uh, Emeryn manages to, uh, bring an end to that by, uh, martyring herself and thus bringing an end to the war. Um, they defeat the, the evil leader, uh, King Gangrel. And that's, hey, peace, peace to everyone. Because Pledgy is now, you know, leaderless and their tyrant is gone. Uh, two years later, Crom becomes the new le- leader of Elise and uh, has a, a child. And uh, turns out that child is uh, a girl named Lucina, who is actually Marth. Marth is Lucina from the future, who has time traveled back to help save the world and, and fight the threat of a terrible being known as Grima. Grima is the reincarnation of the uh, Dark Dragon, uh, which is a Fire Emblem thing that they do in pretty much every game. Uh, So the rest of the game is the fight against Grima. It turns out that Robin, the player character, is actually the... uh, I think it's like, is it child or just like how exactly it works, but basically Uh, is connected to Grima. Yeah,
0: she is the daughter of Grima and thus is like... The perfect avatar of the Dark Dragon.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they come to the final confrontation with Grima. Uh, uh, Robin struggles to not be overcome by the, the dark power of, 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 of the Dark Dragon. And, uh, in the end, it has, uh, two different possible endings. But in either case, the Dark Dragon is either banished or outright defeated. Uh, if you outright defeat him, uh, then Robin herself is also, also disappears because, you know, she's linked to the Dark Dragon and with it gone, she is also gone. Or if you just seal it away, she gets to hang out. But don't worry, if you decide to defeat the Dark Dragon, she comes back later anyway for no actually clear reason. Hooray! Uh, yes, uh, point of clarification, uh,
0: Robin is, uh, Gangrel's daughter, not Grima's.
1: Uh, oh, okay, yes. I- Yes. I must have forgotten that with the with the time that has passed. I played That's I played right. some more um in preparation for this. I did not end up finishing the game again, but I've already beat it twice so I feel like I'm okay. Yeah, no. So, some history Nintendo went to all the people who make Fire Emblem
0: who were doing other things and said, "Please make another Fire Emblem, but also if it doesn't sell, I think the number was 250,000 units, we are canceling Fire Emblem forever because these titles have not been uh Well, I know that they're popular in Japan. I don't know how popular, but Fire Emblem has always been a very niche thing in America when they bother to bring them over at all. Um and so they were they freaked out and were like what do we do do we just do something crazy they th- they talked about making it like fire emblem on mars or fire emblem in the modern day and then they were like no 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 that's just going to alienate people let's just make the best fire emblem and put all of the elements from all the other fire emblems in it let's tie it into old fire emblems for old fans let's make it accessible for new fans let's bring let's allow everyone to get married because everyone loves support conversations and uh thus fire emblem awakening was born and went on to be a huge success whether that's because of, like, the perfect setting of, like, new ideas and old throwbacks, or just because they allowed you to turn off permadeath, that is the question I have for us today. Hmm. Hmm. So, uh, you've, how many Fire Emblems have you played, Six?
1: I have played every Fire Emblem game that has released in the West, uh, including that Wii one that was really hard to find, and also the the Muso game. So.
0: Okay. Uh, I have played Sacred Stones, which was the second GBA release in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played uh, Path of Radiance, the GameCube one. Path of Radiance is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Radiant Dawn is the Wii one. Yes, it's it the sequel. Yes. Um, and I beat both of those, uh, with, which I did almost out of like sheer, like stubborn dog headedness because. Uh, I don't like strategy games. I'm not good at them. And so I played those games basically with a walkthrough telling me how to recruit people and resetting if anyone died. And chapters would take days to get through because I'd have to do them six times because my mage ate it in like like turn 10 and I can't handle it. Um, I know.
1: I know. You got to keep loot around. She's so good. Uh, and thus
0: being able to just turn that off and play this like a game where, oh, uh, half my characters died getting to the boss, but the boss is dead. So the chapter's over. They're all back again, makes Fire Emblem a game that like I can enjoy and just play casually and not get stressed about. And that's remarkable because Fire Emblem to me has always been a game about stress. And instead it just becomes a game about like characters and uh, like light tactics, uh, I also played on, like, the easy difficulty setting. So this game, because you can, like, grind monsters and there's, like, DLC to get you maps that literally exist only to level up and get gold, this game's really easy if you want it to be.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But
0: I feel like, in part, that's probably why it blew up the way other Fire Emblems did not. Because this game is not categorically that different than the Fire Emblems I played before, outside of the mechanics of difficulty being lowered, or optionally lowered, like, across every aspect
1: of it. Well, and I hate to uh, I hate to, to rain on the parade a bit, because this is a thing that I basically like, but I think a large part of Awakening's popularity was that it really leaned into the support system, and specifically into the angle of hooking up with cute girls. So supports in Fire Emblem have always been,
0: you get together, you, you, two characters stand together, and they get like points every time they do actions next to each other. And then when you hit thresholds, you get support conversations that go, like it starts at C rank and goes up to a have there always been s? There's always been S rank conversations, right? Um,
1: I don't know how far back, as far as the system well, has been in yes, the west. But, yes, yeah, but, um,
0: okay. Um, um, were they always gender locked? I feel like they used to be. Yes. Whoever, okay.
1: No, it's it's always been S rank is the ones you can get. Ro- s S rank is getting married.
0: Okay, basically. Um, and in this game, if you get married, uh, because there's this time traveling component, once your characters are married, a a side mission will pop up on the map that is go recruit your child from the future. Uh, that is thrown back and then you can go get these new baby characters that are amalgamations of like the class and uh and stats and skills of the parents uh it is always aligned to the the woman because that's the one that is like guaranteed in a pairing so they can just like design to that Mm -hmm. um but uh you end up with a bunch of kids uh And yeah, the part where everyone is pairing off and having relationships and then kids show up is probably a big part of the reason. But it's not as if Fire Emblem didn't have a sort of like, I want my favorites to get together and get married element to it before. It just wasn't as like strictly formalized by the plot of the game.
1: Sure, sure. They they leaned into it a lot harder with this one.
0: Yes. Um, But I also think if people had one, like the 3DS was a much more popular system than like GBA or the GameCube. So Mm -hmm. it's. If those games had been on platforms that had blown up, I I think that people would have found the thing they were looking for in those fire emblems, um, but I like it is maybe the perfect storm of like accessibility modes on a platform everyone owns, uh, early enough that people were like hungering for a big long game like this. It wasn't like there was a 3DS Pokemon to play, um, mm. and uh, you know, anime waifus.
1: For sure, for sure. I'm I'm curious to. Uh... I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the plot and the characterization, because part of my experience of Fire Emblem has been that the difficulty is important not because like, I necessarily want a good challenge, but because I need a little bit of stress to take my mind off of how the fact that the plot is not that great.
0: So, this being my third Fire Emblem, I was stunned that every Fire Emblem I've played is exactly the same game story-wise. <laughs> exactly, yes. Uh, there's always a fire emblem object. There's always a dark dragon. There's always warring kingdoms. And oh, this kingdom seems like they're going to be hostile, but then they're our best friends, and the leaders of that kingdom will join us halfway through the game. Uh, and this kingdom is clearly evil and just remains evil the rest of the game and backstabs us, and someone sacrifices himself. All the like obvious plots when you get medieval soldiers, at, like in groups of ragtag armies, exist in every one of these fire emblems. And it's not bad, but. I like I couldn't imagine being someone who like got really deep into playing all
1: 11 of these. I would just go to sleep. That's that. Yeah. Now, as I say, you need that little bit of stress to to keep your mind off the fact that the pl- like you even played you even played Path of Radiance, which is one of two games where you don't play as the prince or princess of the country you're defending. It's still basically the same game it is but you know it, it like no that's that's to us to us fire emblem fans it's like oh my god you're playing as a normal person this is such a big departure from the series it's like that's where we're at it's yep. kind of sad um
0: but uh the thing that i do enjoy about the fire emblem, like the individual characters that you recruit Uh, have a bunch of personality and they are mostly fun uh, when they are not like really tropey and obnoxious Uh, i find them mostly delightful i like there's always a boring person i don't want to use looking at frederick uh in this game um but and for other reasons also but also his personality is like the most boring thing on earth um and then there's always characters that i like just don't like what they're about like owain like i don't like him
1: at all oh yeah he's he's pretty you, did you know that there are a couple of characters from this game that end up being in Fates, and it was a yes, really, I, really tight poll, and it's him for some reason? Whenever. Yeah,
0: I, I've heard that. Like, Fates has like, you, doesn't it pull in characters from a bunch of Fire Emblem's? Like, uh, uh no, it's pretty much just a. Oh, it's just this one. Okay, mm-hmm. what's the what's the
1: what's the reasoning behind that? Is there just like a dimensional rift is opened? They actually don't get into it. Um, okay. they're like the the you know the out of the our world excuse is they want to pull. Yes. Um. But in the game, like they're just treated as kind of these mysterious characters who are clearly from somewhere else, but are okay. here, are here and hanging out and mixing it up.
0: Yes. Owain is one of the children. He is like, he is basically like a rogue who just shouts like Sentai stuff. He's like fighting for justice.
1: Yep. Yep. And then um, they made him a mage in Fates, which is oh really weird. That's yeah. I guess um, they needed he's not, more mages. So. He's not a mage in
0: this game. He's like a swordsman or something, right?
1: Yeah, it's a pretty
0: big departure. Okay. Uh, and then you have characters that I would expect to hate, but actually really like. Like Tharja, who is everyone's favorite booby mage lady in this game. Uh, infamous for all the statues and cosplay, I guess. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And she's, like, creepy. And I I guess the implication is that she's, like, obsessed with the player character, but I never really had them interact Um, Oh, that sounds like such a great experience. um, Instead, when I like what happened is you get her and then there's the time skip and Krom gets married to someone that like the person that he has the best supports with Um, the game clearly wants that. If you play as a female main character to be the female player character, Uh, it was not for me. It was Sully. So that was fine, because I like Sully and Krom together. That makes sense to me. Um, But then I was like, oh, well, I need to pair everyone off and get their supports up so I can see all these kids, because I'm playing this on a deadline. And so I immediately, like, made a list of who I wanted to pair off. And I decided the funniest thing to pair off would be Tharja and Kellum, who is a big knight. (laughs) And his whole personality is that he's a gentle giant, and he's quiet enough that everyone forgets that he's in the room. Um, And you have – so you have this hyper-obsessive, like, creepy mage nerd, and this – uh, like big boy season uh, champion who just nobody notices when he's around. And they made a really cute pair because their personality traits don't align at all. And it's adorable. Like they were just very it's just him being nice and her kind of forgetting that he's nice every time. Um, and uh, it's great because she ends like he. she just ends up basically heaping abuse on him in like a cute anime way.
1: That sounds great. Yeah, I, uh, you did a good job there. I, yes. There are a lot of ways to go bad in this game. Did you know, for instance, that the avatar can uh, Robin can actually get an S rank with uh, any of the children characters too? What? She's the only one that can. Doesn't that what? make you uncomfortable? Any of the children characters? Uh, I, I assume I mean, not her character, like not the one she's like right, right mother of. No, not not, not Morgan, but like no, yeah, you I, could. You I could mean, if... I guess technically she
0: is one of the children characters also. Like she that, came from. That's. I guess that's true. I never thought about it like that. Yes, because she comes from the future as well. It's like a di- slightly different future, or it's it's weird because she comes from the future of the game. She does not come from their dystopic future, but she's also like a time to place displaced person with no memory. Hmm. Okay. I was like, it's weird that some of the characters have memories when they come back from the future, and some of them do not.
1: Uh, it's mostly based on whether or not it would be really inconvenient to the plot if they remembered things. Yes because you know.
0: like, uh, the player character's, uh, uh, child is Morgan. He's like a little mage boy, and he doesn't remember a mm-hmm. single thing
1: because it would be really helpful if he knew anything about what was going on, and thus he cannot. Yeah. Yeah. No, that'd be a real problem for the, for the, sh- for the, I almost wanted to say for the show, uh, for the game. So he, yes. he just, you know, he or she, I guess, just doesn't you know, know anything. That's, uh, that's,
0: That's great, I guess. I don't know. It's weird, because I didn't realize that there were, like, limits to who could S-rank with people, so I was really trying to get Donald and Anna together, and then I Mm. realized Anna can't S-rank with anybody. No, Anna. Anna's not that invested in all this. She just doesn't care that much. That's because she's basically not a real person. She's just the shopkeeper, but a fighter.
1: (laughs) Did you know that there is an Anna, I think, in every single Fire Emblem? Yes. No. I know.
0: That's yeah. why I wanted to use her. I was like, "Oh, you're great. You should pair up with uh, Donald because Donald is clearly the MVP of this game."
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. They are. They are both great. That would be a pretty, a pretty winning. It's hard to imagine what their relationship dynamic would be. But... Yes. No. But I
0: never got to see it because it doesn't exist. Which is interesting to me because that game, to me, this game was sold on, "Oh, you could just pair up whoever you want." But actually, there's like weirdly very strict things to do. Um. Also, because getting the children meant committing to pairs. Uh, by the time I got all the children, I didn't want to S-rank – or, like, I didn't want to, so, like, support conversation any of the children because I was done doing that. Hmm. Um I don't know if this is – I mean, you played this game in a more, like, normal-person way where you probably played it over a long time. But playing this for podcast, uh I got the children and then basically never used a single – like, I used one of them.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, part of, the, part of the problem is by the time you get them, they're just not that, like – Yes. It's kind of annoying at that point of the game to go back and grind someone up to being useful. So.
0: Yep. Uh, I used Kajel uh, because uh, she is an amazing, amazing general in that
1: game. Yeah, I ended up using uh, which one? I used uh, Cynthia a fair bit because she was fun. But which um, one is Cynthia? Cynthia is uh, Sumia's daughter, the Pegasus rider. Oh, right. Okay. Yes. So she was fun. But because um, yep. I, I, I always like the idea of the Pegasus Knights and that I'm really terrible with them and get them killed over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, of course, I had to pick her up and got her killed a lot and had to restart chapters a lot because of her. It was a good decision. I don't know if I
0: actually ended up pairing Sumia off with anybody in my game. I did not get every child.
1: Mm. Yeah, I probably uh, didn't get some either. I don't. Time
0: play. situations became a real like point of contention in this game.
1: Don't play Fire Emblem games in a month for a podcast. That's my suggestion to everyone doing a game club in the world. And the other problem, of course, with trying to pair everyone off is at some point you'd have to pair off uh, Noai with someone and no thank you. I don't want to. Um, I paired her off with, uh, um, gosh,
0: what's his name? Um, Not Frederick, the other knight, the one you get early on.
1: Uh, Shoot. Off the top of my head, I'm not sure.
0: Uh why is there not just a good list of wikipedia on these characters? Uh, stall? Yes, Stall. Um which basically like I was like, oh, dr- the dragon and the knight, what if they end up together? Um I just I don't so I put her. In I
1: assume corner. your objection is that she looks like she's twelve, right? She looks like she t- she's twelve, and yet she's in lingerie. It's just it's just the it's just the the Japanese trope that I hate the most. Yes, but also
0: that game just gives you Ricken to pair off with someone, and he's actually twelve. Yeah, I didn't pair him off either. He is just a, a, a nice mage boy that I really like because he's really good at being a mage, but they just ask you to put him in a relationship with somebody. Yeah. Uh, and the support conversations are all about how he is too young to be in a relationship with anybody. I don't know if that's better or worse. Uh, probably, worse. probably worse. It's probably yeah, it's worse. It's probably worse. <laughs> huh. uh, yeah, no. Uh the anime quotient is very high in this game, and like it's fine. I knew that. I knew going in that that was going to be the case. Uh, I so while like I have objections generally to some of that. Sometimes I don't, you know, you know what you're getting into. It's Fire Emblem. It's on the box.
1: Look at all those anime characters. Yeah. What do you think you're going to be doing? So. Yeah. Some of them will be problematic. Anime. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So okay, but, how did you how did you end up finding the the gameplay and stuff? I know you like you said it was always it was always so stressful. Yeah. So
0: I played it on super easy, obviously, and I, I bought this game back when it was new and played a little bit of it and then never really got into it. I just was like, I'm not interested in playing fire. Oh, this is this was always a to be played someday game. Um but in that time I had bought the like cheaty DLC that just gives you the maps to grind gold and experience. Mm-hmm. So when I played this game, once I was able to like survive doing that, I just like soon as i was able to buy scrolls to level everybody up everybody was classed up because i was at the level to do that so i was rolling into the end of the game with my entire team being people in their like second forms uh this game was very easy played that way <laughs> yeah I uh, yeah. uh i babysat donald and donald if you don't know is like this this character you can recruit very early on in a very hard mission or that early in the game where you go to like a town and he's just like a farm boy with a pot on his head to defend his people. And you have to like babysit him because he's very weak through the map and get him to level up once in the course of that. And then he'll join you. He'll be like, Oh, these people can help protect people and I'm getting stronger. I'm going to roll with them. And uh, he starts off very weak. He's like a, so the Fire Emblem thing always gives you, what is it called, like, the Jagan character? Like, the guy who's clearly, uh, like, starts the game over class, and all he does is steal your experience points.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but then it also, in all the ones i played, gives you the character that you have to babysit. But that character, if you bother to babysit them, becomes clearly the best character in the game every time.
1: Yeah, they uh, they start, like, sort of, there's a, like, a, there are, like, like, tier one classes, and then tier two. You go up to tier two, and yeah. there is the one character that starts at tier zero. And so, yes. technically, they get, like, an extra, you know however many levels of stats and yes. become ridiculous.
0: So Donald, by the time Donald is at tier two, could just wade into seas of enemies by himself and be fine. He wouldn't. He, if he took damage, he would heal the damage he would take by attacking enemies. Uh, most enemies just did zero damage. He could kill anything in a single turn. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I just, I basically turtled up most of my team for some of the maps and just had Donald go out and kill the boss.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's a really satisfying way to play the game. It's not like, you know, not strategically satisfying, but there's yeah, something no, not at really all. gleeful <laughs> about just sending out this invincible soldier just to walk through the enemy army. So.
0: I played Path of Radiance. I have had my fill of strategic fire. Cause that game <laughs> was hard. Yeah. You never, never play Radiant
1: Dawn. Uh, yeah, I didn't oh. get
0: Radiant Dawn because I I liked Path of Radiance. I liked the characters. I was like, oh, I'd love to go back to these characters. But people said that game was harder than the first one, and I thought that first game
1: was really hard. So no, no, thank you. <laughs> like I've beaten I've beaten almost every Fire Emblem to come out here on their like their default difficulty settings. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot get more than halfway through Radiant Dawn. It just kicks the shit out of me on the easiest settings.
0: Oh, it's that's so, that's so rough. rough. Um, it's sad to me because I thought Path of Radiance had like the best story of the three Fire Emblems I've played, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I I definitely thought it was the most interesting along that front, too. Yep. Uh, but yeah, no, so for me, it was very much like, do figure that stuff out to get everyone leveled up, and then when it was time to get children, I had not really done supports, um, and this game has a thing that it wasn't, I don't think it was in the other Fire Emblems where you could stack, like you could join uh, two characters up and have them operate as one unit. I don't remember that being a thing. No, that's new, yeah. Okay, so you can just have characters like Oh, these characters join up, and then there's a person in front who does, like, the main attacking, but they count as a single unit, so they always get support boost. And I think they probably get more support boost than if they were just standing next to each other. And they do, like, the general, like, you get more evasion and hit percentage because you have two characters next to each other. Um, And that gets you, and because there's just random, like, mob spawns on the map to grind against, if you just use those characters to fight with, you very easily get everyone's supports up in about three or four
1: maps. Mm-hmm. It's very fast. Yeah, it, and so it's so that,
0: that's how I got uh, all the children very quickly.
1: Yeah, it's, they made it a lot easier to grind for supports. In the old games, it was kind of a, a pain in the butt if you tried to max everyone. But
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, if I'd had more time, I easily could have gotten everyone's supports to everybody. That seemed like a little too much work than is necessary in the world. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, but no, so that, that's been my experience in... Uh, and like, it's fine. Like, I actually enjoyed that this was easier. It does reveal a lot of the storytelling problems when you don't spend two hours trying to get to the next cutscene and instead Donald kills everyone in five minutes and you just move on. Uh, it's like, oh, right. These, these stories aren't actually that interesting and are mostly held together string. Um, and it's all down to the personalities. This game happens to have a really good translation, I feel like, that mm-hmm. gives it a lot of character. Um, this was uh, localized by eight uh, four.
1: I don't know if they did the next one. I assume they didn't because everyone likes that one less. Yeah, the next one was Treehouse, but also like uh, speaking as a person who's played a lot of a lot of fates, um, even if eight four had handled the next one, they've only got so much to work with. Fates mm-hmm. Fates has some very bad writing. Okay, so is it is it also
0: a bad game? because I feel like everyone I, I know that it's too much game because that's the thing that exhausts a lot of people is
1: that there's technically three firearms worth of content there mm-hmm um but it's like so okay um if you ask me as a person who loves these games um i would say no it's an okay game but if i'm like if i'm willing to put aside fan blinders for a second here yeah fates is a bad game
0: okay <laughs> uh, uh even people who really loved awakening beyond all reason i feel like everyone's opinion of fates is like really like conflicted at the best
1: um there is uh I don't remember, I don't remember if we ended up cutting that or not. Uh, but I think maybe in our game of the year podcast stuff last year, there is a segment where we talk about, uh, biggest disappointment where I spend about 15 minutes just yelling about how angry the plot made me. Oh, great. <laughs> um, and yeah, again, I'm a person who puts up with these games normally. Um, yeah. the, the writing in, in Fates is just atrocious. Uh, uh, that's a shame. Cause that's like
0: on some level, like I feel like that's the appeal here. The writing,
1: yeah, like character interaction-wise, oh, yeah. not plot-wise. Yeah. yeah, I think the characters are less good, and then also like, um, I don't want to spoil because I'm sure there will be some people who want to want to check that game out. Yes. Um, but suffice to say that they do the the kid thing again, but there's no time travel this time, and so their explanation for how they do it is one of the stupidest things I've ever seen in a fantasy game. Um. Is, is it actually a spoiler to talk about that? I guess not. Um, so you get, you get S rank, you get the cutscene where you S rank, and like, and then they're, they're like, oh, and you get married and you had a beautiful kid and we, they realized they had no time to raise them. So they put him in the other dimension where, he, where he ages faster. And I'm like, wait, the other dimension? What are you talking about? What? You put and him then... in the other time dimension? <laughs> what are you talking about? And then they just don't mention it after that. Oh, no. And then like later they pop back up and they're like, oh, hey, thanks for coming to visit me in the time dimension. I'm all big now. It's like. Okay, so first off, who raised you? Secondly, I'm still not over the fact that you've just invented a time dimension all of a sudden. I mean, just... it worked
0: for Cable, right? I guess. I guess. Yeah. They X-Men just Cable standards. all of these children.
1: It's it's so weird.
0: It's so weird. Uh, that seems not ideal. No. So a uh, couple things writing and character wise. We talked about the plot and you get the option for Robin to sacrifice herself to save the world. Uh, cause it's like, oh, put the dragon to sleep and it'll come back someday or Robin dies. And then it
1: undoes Robin dying Mm because that's what I did. And then it undid it. And I was very mad about this. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's really, um, fortunately I had been trained by Fire Emblem to expect them to pull back their punch and kind of lame it out. But it is, it is very lame.
0: Cause your, your option is, oh, you, you get the like middling hap like, oh, everyone carries on and the you punt the thing to the other era or you make the sacrifice. And if you make the sacrifice, that's the choice you've already made. You know, what's going to happen. It tells you straight out, Oh, Robin's going to die. And to pull away from that, I feel like removes all of the interest in like her story throughout the game.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Since that game is about her understanding, like, Oh, like bonds with people and sacrifice are important because if you don't have that, you
1: just turn out evil. (laughs) Like her other version of herself. Yeah. It's, uh, It feels like a pretty, like, a story example of a change that Fire Emblem went through, because actually, like, in the older games, like, before they came here, except for Shadow Dragon, Mm -hmm. they did the the port, the updated remake of the original, there was a concept of, like, needing to lose characters. Like, there were characters you couldn't recruit unless someone had died.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: Um, Um, And so, like, it kind of, the implementation was, at least in the games I played, always felt a little off. But just this idea of, like, no, sacrifice is part of the game. Don't just save scum and keep everyone alive. Some people need to die. That's part of the story. Um, And and now by Awakening we've come completely to the other side, where it's like, even when you choose to die, we won't let you.
0: Yeah. So, uh, that's a shame. Also, for a game that's about, like, pairing characters off and getting them married, once a character is married, there is zero reason for you to, like, continue to hang around with your spouse in that game, and it's mm-hmm. weird that that's the case. Like, Oh, everyone gets a ring, and the marriage itself is very like, oh, we like each other, here's a ring, now we're married, a kid shows up on the map to recruit. And then there's little reference to, like, these characters having lives together until the very ending, and the ending screens are very much like, oh, this character did all these things, and this other character
1: hung around with them while they did those things. Yeah, it's very, it's very, uh, a very don't-you-forget-about-me kind of ending. So.
0: um, The whole thing is very perfunctory, and for all of the, like, let's align these characters and get them married, the interest in the support conversations as characters get together entirely dries up once you get to the S-rank and characters are paired off. Like, there's just no, like, continuing life for those characters, which mm-hmm. is really weird to me, given that this game kind of sells itself, at least culturally, on being, like, the matchmaking game. Because you don't actually get to see the characters once the match is made. Mm-hmm.
1: They do a little bit of that in, uh, in Fates. Um, for, in Fates, when you have, when you get married to your, when the player character gets married, you then end up seeing, uh, your spouse a lot. Like, you sort of have a, a like, a, basically a tree house you go to every time in between missions. And, mm-hmm. like, there's, like, a, a fully, like, well-rendered 3D version of them that, like, hangs out and talks to you, and you just have little, little, like, little married couple conversations, and it's kind of cute. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it does feel really strange once they got used to this they it feels like they had the the you know the support conversation system and just built it as they went and never really thought about the bigger picture it was painting so there's an, a lot of asks for this game that i highly recommend anybody read cuz a lot of asks
0: are always delightful and there's so few of them on the earth read. uh where they talk about originally um, one of the designers wanted when you got an S rank for it to end with the characters kissing and they like had the proposal to get all the art together and then everyone on the team hated it and vetoed the idea. Um, which given the kind of characters you can pair off makes sense why you would say no we can't do that because Rickon can support with all of the ladies even ones that are adults. Um, and that's weird. Don't do that. Uh But also, like, at least it's some idea that these characters are actually married, and it's not just, here's a promise ring, a kid showed up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I wonder what they were promising, that a kid showed up. And, like, Krom gets married, and Krom can marry people that are not the player character, but then he spends the rest of the time of the game clearly, like, a pair with the player character, and that's really weird. Just force that to be the option, if that's the option. Yeah. Because because Crom married Sully, and then there's, like, one chapter where they talk about, oh, Sully, you're getting used to being a queen. She's like, I'm still a soldier, don't call me a queen. And then she disappears from the story for the rest of the game.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I had her, I had him, uh, marry, Mm -hmm. I don't remember who I had him marry. I think it was, it was someone, I felt like it was someone who showed up a little bit more afterwards, but maybe my memory's Hmm. just, whatever. Because
0: it is just him and Robin as, like, the key relationship that drives the game forward. Yeah. Uh... And I don't know why you don't just force them to get married then. Like, you can have control over everyone else, but these two have to be married. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. I guess maybe it would make more sense if uh, if you play as male Robin, but also this game's insistence that every marriage is man and woman get together and a ring exchanges and then you have a kid is the most
1: heteronormative bullshit. Of course, this is the way it goes. Yeah, it's it's to the point where... Um, I fr- I don't remember if it's this game or it's Fates. I think it's probably Fates that has the, basically the queer therapy. uh, Yes, that's Fates. And then also the, the Fates has one same-sex relationship.
0: Was that always in the, is that in the American version too? Because I know it no. c- caused a stir and then I, yeah, it was one of those game censorship hot points when that happened.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It turns out I, I, I feel like most of the time when a uh, Japanese game comes over and they censor something, they're usually right. Uh, I can think of very few instances where I think it is wrong. <laughs> yeah. it's uh, They they definitely cut that one for here. And I'm grateful because yeah. that was very gross. Oh, yes, aesthetic. for sure. So, you've probably
0: played this game a little, like, on a higher difficulty or, like, a harder way of playing than I do. Please tell me what
1: it's like to actually play this game. Is it better than other Fire Emblems? Um, even on higher difficulties, this is, um, this is probably the easiest Fire Emblem. Um, okay. it's It's so easy to become ridiculously overpowered in this game. Um... Yeah, like, again, even on, on higher difficulties, my Robin, my Robin was like your Donald, right? My Robin would just waltz through maps and just murder everyone. Um, it, it, part of it is because this is the first time they've had a, like, a custom player character. Mm-hmm. And they really wanted to lean into the custom thing. So your class is just like the class that can do anything and is insanely powerful. Um, yep. But yeah, it's just, um, it's, it's the most power fantasy I think Fire Emblem has ever been. Cause it's just like, you just build your, your team of ridiculous killers and then waltz through the game. Um, compared to that, I think, uh, Fates, well, depending on which version of Fates you play, Fates is kind of like a, a return to form wake up call in, uh, l- Birthright? Conquest. Conquest, um, is, is the second hardest Fire Emblem game I've played. And then, you know, there's Birthright for people who just want to waltz through things again. But, um, it's kind of interesting to see how this game turns the momentum of this, of the franchise Mm -hmm. because it's just sort of like, Oh, like we leaned into supports really hard and we made the game really like accessible and allowed you to be ridiculously overpowered and didn't care about balance very much. And people loved it. Mm -hmm. So that kind of determines the direction of the franchise going forward to an extent. That's fair. Um, and then, uh, only a couple
0: more things, uh, that I had. Uh, this is the first Nintendo game with DLC. Did you play any of the DLC? There's not the cheating maps. I, cause I only bought those cheating maps. I didn't mess with anything else. I play the beach party map. What is, uh, please explain to me the beach
1: party map. <laughs> uh, so they go to the beach, right? Uh-huh. And everybody's wearing their swimsuits. Wait, is there like custom art for all the characters? Uh, not all of them, but a lot of
0: them. Uh, yes. is, is the custom art entirely for the ladies?
1: Uh, almost entirely for the ladies. Yeah, of course. And, uh, oh no, they're at the, they're at the beach and then monsters attack and like, oh no, they've got a fight in bikinis. That's awkward. God. Okay. Great. <laughs> no, you're good. Actually. It turns out.
0: Yeah. no. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I remember there being like a big kerfuffle about, oh, Nintendo getting into DLC, things are going to be ruined. I feel like the last four year, four or five years have not been the, the amount uh, that content is locked to Amiibo is much more objectionable
1: than content on DLC
0: stuff in mm-hmm. Nintendo games.
1: Yeah, I think they're, they're still working their way up to where everyone else has been for a decade. So e- except for their phone games, which is bad. Yeah. Yeah. No, do you fair. play Fire Emblem Heroes? I played some Fire Emblem Heroes.
0: Um and then I realized if, uh, if people don't know, Fire Emblem Heroes is the mobile game which is Fire Emblem, but also it is very much like a gotcha you pull characters and feed them to characters kind of game, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then I realized the only thing I liked about it was the gotcha. I didn't like playing the game. I just like drawing it and being like, Oh, there's one of my faves and I was like, Oh, you I just, you just want something. a gallery of JPEGs. I do. And then I was like, yeah. Oh, let me just stop playing this actually then. Mm hmm. So
0: Um, And then also, this game is a really interesting to me, like, collision of, like, 3DS design aesthetics. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was developed before the specs for the 3DS were nailed down, which is why the character models are, like, even for a 3DS game, weirdly low poly, like, characters don't have feet infamously, because they didn't know if they were going to be able to render characters that had, like, full proportions. Um, And the game does a lot of, like, weird UI scaling in the 3D, like... The maps are 3D planes, but the characters and UI elements are 2D, and the ways that those are layered in 3D are really, is really interesting to me. As someone who kind of misses the 3DS being a console that can play games in 3D, um, though the actual battle combat scenes in 3D I feel like are really badly like rendered in three dimensions. Yeah, they're kind of they're definitely kind of clumsy. Um, yeah. Uh, part of it is like the era of that game for sure. Part of it is the weird, like the combat, I feel like has like a lot of weird like effects work on it. And so it just feels like all the dust that enemies kick up and all the spark effects just always seem like they lose uh, the 3D cohesion. Like they just turn into blurry ghosted images of themselves all the time. Hmm. And I have a new 3DS, which does the like the camera looks at your eyes and adjust 3D on the fly thing.
1: Oh, see, I was a little bit lost because I for- I didn't realize that's what you like. You meant like 3D, 3D, not like yes, no, I the
0: actual 3D
1: part of the 3DS. Okay, yeah, I I uh I had a 3DS and I gave it away and bought a 2DS because oh, I okay, hate 3D. Yes. But it's just like that's fair. it's just because it gives me a headache, you know.
0: Um, yeah, no, I don't use it very often because it does make my eyes tired, especially when the 3D is not great, like this game. But I do. It is Calling out, you know, we're playing a 3DS, and I I think the 3D stuff was interesting, and I'm sad more games didn't do interesting things with it, so.
1: I'm a little bummed it always gives me a headache, because it seems like a neat idea. It, it definitely makes
0: my eyes tired. I don't get headaches, but I get eye strain like crazy when I play games in 3D too much.
1: I, uh, I saw uh, Avatar in theaters in 3D, mm-hmm. and uh, afterwards I had to, like, lie down in a dark room with an ice pack on my head for, like, an hour and a half because it just hurt i don't handle 3d well (laughs) Uh, i feel that way about just having watched avatar from the writing perspective (laughs) you
0: know now that i've been to think about it maybe it was just that hard to say yeah Yeah. uh but yeah no this game it's weird because like i would have called myself like someone who is interested in fire emblem but in playing this game i feel like i'm over fire emblem now (laughs) i don't think i care about this series i don't want to go back and play other ones uh, I don't want to go through the same story again, ever. Uh, like, the initial premise of Birthright and Conquest sounded interesting, but everyone talks about that game, like, it's just another one of those, but there's three of them now, and that just makes me want to, like, lay down forever.
1: hmm I can't, uh, I can't talk about the big plot twist of, of Fates, which is, uh, No, 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 that's all right. So, you can talk... So, it's so stupid. You can talk to me about it after
0: we're done recording, because yeah. I want to know, but, uh, it's, yeah, it's no, mad. it's... It's a, it's an interesting thing because I think this game is like a good game, especially if you want to play like a casual RPG, like in bed, you know, uh, I'm going to play like a map every night and then eventually, like in two months, I'm going to beat the game. Mm-hmm. I think it's really good at that. But, uh,
1: I, I don't know. It left me feeling really cold on Fire Emblem as a thing. I mean, like, I, I, like, I, I think, I think you've got the exact right like sample size to have that opinion. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not say, like I'm saying that like you, you, you've you've seen enough games to be like, OK, so I play as the noble and I get the fire emblem and I steal away the dark dragon and the other and the other country's motives are always purely evil and completely uninteresting. Like, OK, great. Like
0: they're either purely evil or they only exist to join my army when I come and say, hey, please join my army.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's just like I really it, it I don't know. I feel like other Fire Emblem purists are going to tell me that I'm missing the point and being stupid. But like, if they don't figure out how to write a story, I don't know why people would keep playing these games. It's, I it's mean, just... I mean,
0: if you really like tactics games, it's not like there's a lot of these style of tactics games in the world. That's true. Like, they're they're not making Final Fantasy tactics anymore. Disgaea. Play Disgaea, it's great. Yeah, Yeah. I guess Disgaea exists. Uh, I've I've only played like maybe an hour of the first Disgaea, enough to go. I don't think I'm uh, cut out for this.
1: Disgaea is actually. I am. I am realizing I'm about to say on a podcast, but Disgaea actually has better story than Fire Emblem. That's. I don't think that's very hard. Fire Emblem
0: is boring. It is everything. Like I, I'm not predisposed to like fantasy anyway, but it is like every tired fantasy trope that I could think of outside of elves, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's just weird to say that when like the point of this guy at what they were going for is like fantasy slapstick. Yes. And- but at least that has, like, a bunch of character to it.
0: Like, mm. there's a manic energy to... Like, I played a little bit of guy. I played that printing game because I, I like platformers. Yeah, you did. And there's, there's such a personality to the Disgaea stuff. And it might not be to your taste, but it's there and it's, like, confident about itself in a way that Fire Emblem just feels very, like, middling. There's something very, like, inert about Fire Emblem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they- which is fine, I guess, especially if you only play, like, one of these. Like, probably play this one. Yes. But... uh. As someone who's played three of them now, I just don't want to anymore. It's how I felt about Zelda before Breath of the Wild. I'm like, I'm done with Zelda. I'm tired of these. They're the exact same game every time. I don't care about these stories.
1: Oh, uh, man. I, if, if Switch was the Breath of the Wild moment for this franchise, that would be that would be really special.
0: Yeah, I don't even know what a Breath of the Wild moment for this franchise looks like, Uh, but... I, I mean, Awakening was kind of... It was supposed to like kind of that, right? Like, Because it revitalized the thing and now there's two more Fire Emblems there's a warriors and there's a new Fire Emblem coming and, like, people care about Fire Emblem. There's so many Fire Emblem characters in
1: Smash. It's ridiculous. Please stop. But they're also the best characters in Smash. Um But the thing about Awakening, like, even at the time, like, I don't think anyone who played those games, unless unless you hadn't played them or you had just bounced off really fast, like, Awakening was always, like, greatest hits. Right? It was mm-hmm. never, like, let's mix things up. It was, like, let's do the absolute most charming version of everything we've done so far. Yeah and the breath of the wild moment i feel like is is rethinking your basics not just like how can we like okay let's get a pona in there and let's go ahead and make sure there's hyrule field and you got to go to the water temple cuz everyone loves the water temple you know oh twilight princess oh twilight princess got it god <laughs> any final thoughts um yeah uh if if you're going to play one fire emblem play this one um if you are if you play this and you're like man this really feels like a pretty boring formula you're probably good not playing the rest of the fire emblems yep
0: uh most of them like have been fan translated if you want to go back also right i'm
1: pretty Mm -hmm. sure that's the case at this point yeah um if you're looking for i guess the the like the if you play this and you're unsatisfied um but you feel like you want something similar shadow dragon is a pretty different approach um, Path of Radiance is is a little more grounded in its style, but it's still pretty similar. Uh, if you, I really, I
0: thought the like speed at which Sacred Stones moved was really good. Sacred I thought Stones that game was a nice breezy game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, like it gives you uh, like two protagonists to play as, and Erica is like immediately like clearly the best protagonist in one of these games
1: I've played as. So, yeah, yeah. Also, you get loot in that game, and she's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so that's it. We will take a short break, and we'll be back with
0: questions. have questions. If you want to send us questions, you can send us an email, podcast at abnormalmapping.com. I have one Twitter question and one email question. Six, which would you like first? Uh, let's, Let's go with the email question first. Okay, from Allie. It's been a few years since I played Awakening and I'll likely have a chance to play this month, but I thought of a broad question I'd send your way. Awakening and Fire Emblem games since have had rocky depictions of queerness. If I recall, none of them have allowed queer relationships or had gender non-conforming folks. I also recall one of the games having a sequence where a woman drinks a potion and becomes not gay anymore. We talked about that. Uh... However, the series has a large queer fan base. I know Awakening was a catalyst for me exploring my own queerness. I made a girl character so I could date boys, which led me down the path of realizing I wasn't a cis boy. My question is, can you think of a time you've learned something from a game with questionable ideas? Moreover, have you learned something contrary to the ideas the game is presenting? Have you walked away from a game, disagreeing with it in some way,
1: and learned something from a disagreement? Hmm. Um, I will note real quickly, uh, Fates does have two uh, same-sex relationships. One male-male, one female-female. Um, oh, Okay. Yeah. So, you know, are they are they good? <laughs> um, I've only seen the male, male one. That one's actually okay. pretty good. All right. So, you know, maybe maybe they're working on it. Um. Hmm. That's a tough question. Do you have do you have an answer? Well, I think
0: uh, I think if you want to talk about learning things, the game did not intend to tell you, you should listen to the newest novel. Not new about Valhalla. <laughs> hmm.
1: <laughs> Yeah, that's In good... which
0: me, Six, and Jen spend an hour talking about how Valhalla teaches you all sorts of things you didn't want to know about life.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I definitely think that's that's that's
0: fair. Uh, so I always was gravitated towards uh, playing as female characters. I don't know if that ties explicitly into my gender identity. I feel like that came way more from, like, anime and TV shows and books than it did video games. Um... I just think the aesthetics of girl stuff is cuter, which I guess is maybe part of that, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, you could look at, uh, if you go back and look to, at the things that uh, me and Jackson talked about when we played Final Fantasy VII and VIII specifically, there's a lot of conversation about those games having reads that are not necessarily what the game is actually about. In Final Fantasy VII's case, the people who make Final Fantasy VII don't know what Final Fantasy VII is about anymore. So please watch Advent Children and remember what the game was and go, What they don't know what they're talking about and they made the game.
1: Yeah. I actually I actually have a good answer. I thought of a good answer. Okay. So, um my answer is actually with World of Warcraft. Um that that game kind of unintentionally taught me that factionalism is bullshit. Okay. Um because that game is so two things. One that game is all about World of Warcraft and then like every expansion or two they have to be like wait a minute, we forgot the war. Let's get back to war. So uh, I want to ask you a question about World of Warcraft. Sure. Uh, and then the other one is just like the way that because they want to set up these factions, they reduce every race faction to being a caricature that is often pretty racist towards some group in the real world. And it's like, yes. oh, wait, this is just all awful. Okay, yeah. Cool.
0: So everyone I know who plays WoW, and I've never played WoW, I've never played Warcraft, like, this is speaking entirely from ignorance, is ride or die about being, like, Horde and hates the Alliance. Mm -hmm. Is there actually reason for this other than the fiction says that the Horde are, like, the quote-unquote, like, ragtag, like, non-human bad guys, and the Alliance are, like, the cops? Is it Uh, just that?
1: Is that all it is? It's kind of that. I mean, okay, so full disclosure, I'm the cops. Okay. Um, I'm I'm Alliance. And I'm not, like, I'm the alliance mostly out of, like, well, I don't want to choose the faction that is entirely racist caricatures. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to choose the faction that is like, oh, look at the orcs. They're just, they're big and strong and stupid and they're just angry all the time. They can't help it. There's no analog to a real world you the know, tauren. bigotry. Uh, the Torin are, uh, by the way, just Native Americans or, you know, First Nation. It's, it's also very good. The Trolls are just a caricature of like, I guess it's supposed to be like, like Caribbean, like Jamaican culture. Like it's all just oh, really God. racist. Um, it's all really bad. And I just didn't want to be part of that because the, for the most part, the Alliance are like, okay, there's the humans. There's the dwarves, which are yeah, they're not great, but also they're not that offensive. And then like I play as the Draenei, which are like I guess you could say they're sort of Eastern Europe, but also they're sort of alien sci-fi bullshit. Oh yeah, they're like the dark elf things, right? They're they're um they're blue horned glowy eyed hoof people. Um, oh, okay, those, but those,
0: yeah, sorry, I'm speaking mostly from ignorance, but I have seen these
1: characters before. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, they don't have a, a very clear analog to the real world, and that's why I picked them, is because the other ones made me uncomfortable. Okay. So. There you go. So I don't, I don't, the For the Horde thing, I wonder if it's just like, like, we're in this bad circumstance where we're all just racist characters that stand together, or it's just, mm-hmm. it's just fun to shout.
0: The next question, not really a question, but uh, from at LightspeedWagon on Twitter, what's one game that was one of your favorites when you were younger, but as time went on, you grew to dislike? Theirs is Fire Emblem Awakening. Uh, you made me feel very old by saying Fire Emblem Awakening is a game that you played when you were younger. Right? Jeez. <laughs> I'm in my kids. 30s. I can't do this with 3DS games. I'm sorry. They're all games I played as an adult.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, mine is Tekken or Sol- no Soul Calibur is a better answer. Soul Calibur is the game that I liked as as it, as when I was younger mm-hmm. and as I got older and got way into fighting games, I actually got really really angry at that series. Is it because of like aesthetic reasons or the actual game itself or... it's the game itself i think I mean the aesthetic like the aesthetic i had the problems I had with it I kind of had back then um as as an ace, I never saw the appeal of big titty ladies they only ever annoyed me. Uh, yes, no, even as
0: a non-ace person, uh, I also don't understand the appeal of
1: Big Titty Ladies, and I'm a Sofitia main, so it fucking sucks. (laughs) Um, but for me, it was just, like, as I got more into fighting games and the mechanics of fighting games, and, like, there's, with the fighting games I like, there's this wall that is bullshit, and by the way, listen to Novel Not New, we are basically about helping people get over the wall, um... But, like, there's this wall with with the fighting games I like towards being able to have a good time with them that's just miserable. Mm-hmm. But once you get over, it's like, oh, there's this whole other country over here. This is great. And it's just not there in Soul Calibur. And it drives me crazy.
0: Okay. That's interesting.
1: I uh, I only played Soul Calibur casually and mostly
0: two and four. The one with Darth Vader and Yoda in it. I think that's 4
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't get deep, like I played a lot of the like arcade mode into, or like whatever the mode is that gives you challenges and stuff. That one,
1: and you know, uh, it's I, it's nice that there's a fighting game that people can have a good time with without getting really intense about it. That's one of the worst things about fighting game is how they insist you get intense about everything. So yeah, uh, what what
0: uh, what's your answer to this one? So I have a really hard time answering this because, um, I've revisited a lot of the games I've played is when I was younger, and I appreciate them. I just um i don't like dislike any of them i just appreciate them less because i played new interesting things since then mm. um so it's not like i go back and play a game I'm like oh this is trash how did i ever love this it's more like oh this thing does interesting things but uh i've played six other games that i i've played more recently that i didn't consider what games could be back then na- when i played th- these games like i think of like uh like let's like? like like snes rpgs i like most of the big snes rpgs but Going back and playing like Planescape Torment, it's like, oh, there's like a whole other idea of what these things could be or adventure games like in PC of that era that tell stories that are probably better, uh, th- which doesn't invalidate my enjoyment of those games back in the day. Uh, it does mean that I'm probably less likely to go boot up Chrono Sugar ever in my life. Uh, for one, it's like the least of these SNES RPGs. Oh, what? Gonna- Final Fantasy 4, 6, and Earthbound all exist on that platform,
1: and they're all better games than Chrono Trigger. Man, I mean, 6. You got me with 6, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Earthbound is
0: maybe one of the best games ever made, so... Tales of Fantasia. You know, I haven't played... I have never played a Tales game, so...
1: I my opinion of of the Tales series is that they nailed it in one with Tales of Fantasia and then spent decades just trying to reproduce that that quality you, again.
0: You know what my answer is here: a one that I liked when I was young and does not hold up, Star Fox sixty four, and by corollary, all Star Fox games because they're all just Star Fox sixty four. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, I I don't I don't get it anymore. I I played that game to death. Uh, and I just don't I just don't see the appeal. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't get it. Not anymore. Hmm. And then there's ones that just don't hold Like, there's just some games that are old and don't hold up. Like, I'm not going to go back and play GoldenEye. I played hundreds of hours of GoldenEye. GoldenEye is probably not a game you should play in 2018. One, you won't know how to control it. It's really messed up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, like that games. Do you ever play the um, Perfect Dark uh, modern control scheme? No, I had not. <laughs> there's a there's a in, in Perfect Dark, like the launch version of Perfect Dark, there's a uh-huh. control scheme they set up where you can plug in 264 controllers and hold one in each hand for dual analog and it's oh. nuts. It's crazy.
0: I did that for Episode 1 Pod Racer. Because you could do it where acceleration wasn't a button. It was the analog sticks for each of the engines. Oh, man. You had two controllers. And that's a really cool way to play that game. Because you're basically playing a racing game with tank controls. Like, Battlezone tank controls. Not, like, Resident Evil tank controls. And it's amazing.
1: Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, yep. Now this is pod racing. It is pod racing.
0: But, yeah, that's it. I don't know. Uh, we play enough old games that, like, I have a really healthy appreciation of context. Um. And so while there's games, I, I definitely don't like all of my favorites as a kid as much as I used to. Like, I was a Nintendo kid. So, like, it's not like the games were bad. I just don't have the affection for them like I used to because I play a lot of more interesting things now. Um, and Nintendo keeps making the same games over and over. So mm-hmm. I can just go play another Mario that's more modern and is scratches about the same itch as the old Mario. Uh, I don't know. I, I it's, weird. it's hard for me to answer this question with anything clear. But Star Fox is the closest I've got. Ocarina of Time. Ocarina of Time is a great game that's not fun to play anymore but that's
1: not its fault. Yeah, but it's the, ca- the thing is Majora's Masks did age so well. So it's just it it makes it look
0: bad. Yes. But Ocarina of Time defined like modern video games. Still, like every game is still Ocarina of Time on some level. Yeah. You're not wrong, and it's not—it's not that game's fault that every game stole everything from it immediately, and thus it feels like the most empty thing because all of those mechanics are just things you accept. as, that's how games work now? Yeah. But I remember the first time I played Ocarina of Time in like a demo kiosk that I went to a Sears to play, and I'd never
1: played anything like it, and it was wild. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember spending a lot of a lot of long hours with my friend trying to figure out a bunch of side quests and stuff. It was quite the game and and that big epic game takes like about
0: six hours to beat now yep. <laughs> it's very short uh anyway that that's what we've got uh six do you want to plug scanline media
1: one more time sure so just i'll do the the quick version of the plug you should go to scanlanmedia.com or our patreon actually go to both uh patreon.com slash media you can check out all the stuff we do there and i'm sure we have something that will suit your tastes uh, where are you on Twitter? I am at six Detmar on Twitter. Uh, my tweets okay. are bad and not very common, so that's that's my. They're pitch. not bad. You don't tweet very much, but they're not bad. Oh, thank you. They are, but you know it's nice of you to say
0: uh i have to do both me and jackson's work in the plug zone you can find abnormal mapping at thebestgame.club uh you know what that is you're listening to it right now uh you can go to star trek to listen to second officer slog which is a book club me and jackson reading through star trek books uh there's discovery recaps of all of season one if you want to listen to us talk about discovery and be right about discovery from like week three we knew exactly what the season was going to be we were right um you can listen to novel, not new. If you go to abnormal mapping.com slash novel, not new, uh, that is me six and Jen talking about visual novels. Uh, we will have just put up an episode about Valhalla. We are working on an episode about butterfly soup. Uh, please look forward to that. If you go to, I need Mayo Jackson and Molly talk about the lore and music of coheed and Cambria. It's ridiculous. I enjoy it a lot and I hate coheed and Cambria. So worth listening to, even if they are wrong about all music, uh, we have a Patreon. Patreon.com. If you go there, there is a variety of things you can get for your pledges. But for $1 a month, you will get The Great Gundam Project, which is me and Jackson watching two episodes of Gundam a week, every week, until the end of Gundam, or the end of time. Uh, I'm recording that right after this. I'm very excited. Nice. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being Jackson, of course, that head falls off. Next month, we have another patron guested episode. We have our friend Crystal coming to talk about the Game Boy Color game wario land 3 which is a game i adored in my childhood and have not touched since i hope it is still good but i bet it is because it's wario yeah uh that's it uh we'll be back next month for that uh check out the rest of the site thanks everybody thank you six for guesting on this episode of course fire emblem you play it